Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's 9.30 in 716. We have about 6,000 NYSEG customers still without power this morning. 4,800 in Erie County. The majority around West Seneca, Cheektowaga, Hamburg, and Orchard Park. 1,200 outages in Wyoming County. Restoration expected by 11 tonight. National Grid now has 1,600 customers out in Hamburg this morning with restoration about an hour from now and then another 100 customers scattered around Batavia. We'll keep you updated on those outages. So we're still dealing with a lot of ice issues. Aaron Reynolds, meteorologist over at the National Weather Service, joining us live this morning. Aaron, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people walking out the door, they think, all right, the ice was yesterday, we're past it. And uh, you're surprised, like, no, no, it's it's still cold and still icy as you walk out the door. Yeah, that's correct. Um, we've had the actual fair amount of ice yesterday that uh, now that the temperatures have fallen bo- for below freezing, it's starting to refreeze back up. And I've noticed, too, Aaron, that uh, trees seem to be hanging a little bit lower, maybe a little heavier from the ice. Is that possible? Yeah, that's correct. We um, Some of the trees from the buildup from the ice are... You know, drooping a little bit, and we actually have some branches breaking in some areas. Um, we have a little bit of wind there, too, that's helping out with that. We had uh, yesterday uh, across a lot of the north towns, it looked like like a dusty um, ice. It was crusty. That's what we were saying. And this morning, you look around, and because of the rain and then the refreeze, I mean, everything's kind of glazed over. Is it going to stay that way for a while if left untouched? Well, if we don't have temperatures come above freezing, any any uh, ice that's still on the trees probably will refreeze or hold to it. But um, that's all behind us. Um, right now we've got some snow showers that are moving across the area. And, and the wind today, will that be a factor? Um, the winds right now are probably at their peak. Um, they will diminish as the day goes on. Right. And, uh, hey, we appreciate the time, Aaron. Thank you. Aaron Reynolds at the National Weather Service. All right, so uh, you're walking out this morning, kind of glazed over still today. Something to watch out for. Two major winter storms causing problems. Melissa Adon reports blizzard conditions across the U.S. Fargo, North Dakota, where snowplows were pulled off the road due to near zero visibility. 
In Minnesota, the wind gusts are so strong, and as temperatures drop, the wind chill could hit 15 below. In Michigan, nearly 1 million homes and businesses are without power amid an ice storm. West of Kalamazoo, the town of Pawpaw is mourning the death of volunteer firefighter Ethan Quellen, who was killed by a power line downed by a falling tree. Conditions on the road are a major headache across the country. Melissa, add on with some of the uh, things they're seeing all across the U.S. Well, just about a month out from the deadline to approve the state budget, more questions are being raised about the included plan to phase out natural gas. Here's WBEN's Brayton Wilson. New York State's proposal to ban natural gas has come with some substantial pushback from a number of government officials, especially on the Republican side of things. However, some Democratic leaders, especially from Western New York, may be pushing the pause button when it comes to trying to push the proposed plan through with the budget. While he doesn't oppose a switch from natural gas to other forms of alternative energy, State Senator Sean Ryan admits there needs to be much more discussion before moving forward with any proposal. We need to really look at places like Western New York, we need to make sure that our homes are insulated and that we're using less energy by conserving energy. The idea of switching to electric power in Western New York is sort of fanciful when you consider the fact that most houses in Western New York were built way before World War II and are not insulated. So if we just switch from gas power to electric, but we're still inefficiently burning a lot of fuel, whether it's from electricity or gas, you know, we're just creating a system that perpetuates waste. Close to home pushback in the natural gas ban proposal is starting to come from other Democrats, including members of the Buffalo Common Council, who expressed their concerns with the proposed bill during Tuesday's Common Council session at City Hall. So what does it all mean when more and more Democratic leaders, especially here in western New York, start to speak out in their own way on how the process is being handled with such a hot-button topic? UB Assistant Professor of Political Science Sean Donahue believes the more reaction from Democrats may be a sign the proposal isn't exactly as popular as once thought. If you're seeing members of the governor's party uh, come out in opposition to it. You know, I think that we have to think about there's probably a lot of Western New Yorkers that have a gas stove or probably like having their gas stoves, and they may be reaching out to their members of the legislature and letting them know their opinion on it. More on local Democrats speaking on the state's proposed natural gas ban is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Yeah, a lot to unpack here. We'll be hearing more from that conversation with Sean Ryan throughout the morning here on WBEN. A once prominent South Carolina attorney taking the stand in his own defense Thursday denied killing his wife and son, but later admitting he lied to police. Before a hushed courtroom accused double murderer Alec Murdoch taking the stand in his own defense. The disgraced attorney immediately denying he shot his wife Maggie and son Paul to death. No. I did not. But Murdoch admitting lying to police about when he last saw his wife and son, admitting it was his voice on that video from the crime scene shot minutes before the murders. Hey, he's got burgers now. Mr. Murdoch, is that you? On the kennel video at 8.44 p.m. on June 7th, the night Maddie, Maggie and Paul were murdered. It is. Eva Pilgrim with the report will be talking about this case and what a lot of people were watching yesterday with Paul Cambria coming up at 6.50 this morning. Drama over Powerball's biggest ever jackpot. Who is the rightful owner of that money? On Valentine's Day, the California Lottery announced the winner of last year's $2.04 billion jackpot was a man named Edwin Castro, who was not present at the announcement. But now a man named Jose Rivera has filed a lawsuit claiming he bought that winning ticket and that another guy named Reggie stole it from him. 
Rivera claims that after the drawing, he asked Reggie to return the ticket, but Reggie threatened to destroy it if Rivera didn't split the winnings with him, and then Castro claimed the winnings. The California Lottery says it remains confident Edwin Castro is the rightful winner of that money. Alex Stone, ABC News, Los Angeles. Oh, bunny, a lottery drama. Reggie, how could you? Uh, (laughs) um, Don't want to be in that situation. All right, Sabres. Back in the win column last night, a 6-5 overtime win over Tampa. Cuts to the middle. Good stick by Labushkin. No penalty on the play and a break here for Labushkin. Ilya Labushkin looking for his first and the Sabres scores. Are you kidding me? Bushkin overtime with his first goal in 44 games. How about that? Ilya Labushkin with the game winner. You don't call his uh, name all that often. First goal of the season. How about that? It was a shorthanded goal in overtime. The only other Buffalo Sabre to record a shorthanded goal in overtime, you might remember it pretty well, Jason Pominville, 2006. Eastern Conference semifinals against Ottawa. That's the scary good goal, right? Yep. Only other time that's happened. It's the... uh, I think shorthanded goals or uh, by a defenseman unassisted in overtime. Second time that's happened in NHL history. Isn't that wild? Yes. A you know, couple of weird stats to throw out there. Tage Thompson with another hat trick, his fourth of the season, 39 goals on the year. Sabres have a couple of big games this weekend. They're in Florida tonight, can jump over them in the standings and into a playoff spot with a regulation win. Then they play Washington at home. On Sunday. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Mostly cloudy with a cold breeze today. Temperatures will drop to near 20 degrees this afternoon with some snow showers south of Buffalo. Tonight's mostly cloudy, light winds, lows in the mid teens. On Saturday, a general light snow, about an inch or so of accumulation with highs near 30. A little sun on Sunday with highs in the upper 30s. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Joined on the line by the manager over at Hayes Seafood. Food House, Nick Pizikowicz, talking about Fish Fry Friday, the first one of the season. Hey, Nick, thanks for being with us. Uh, I'm assuming today is the day you've got kind of circled on your calendar all year long. Oh, you know it, Brian. Uh, it's a big week for us, a big season for us. Uh, fish fries are huge in Buffalo. How much do fish orders jump starting this week over previous weeks? Uh, Fridays are always big. Uh, in terms of fish fries uh, every week. But when Lent arrives, we double our order. We usually do 200 to 250 pounds of haddock every Friday, a normal Friday. A Lenten Friday would be 450 to 500 pounds. Now, for Hayes, uh, for you guys, it's got to be unique, right? Because you're serving up uh, fish fries and, you know, you got people coming in uh, getting made-to-order food, and then you're also selling uh, to people who are going to make something at home and, and much more. Um, what is your business like, and how does it change during Lent? Uh, that's a great question. With the, uh, with the, seafood, the fresh seafood market, we get uh, a number of customers that come in and buy fresh haddock, fresh salmon, swordfish, halibut, all different types of uh, shrimp and scallops. Uh, Since COVID, uh, our fresh market business uh, jumped quite a bit, and uh, we have to order extra fresh haddock for the seafood counter during Lent. And and you supply restaurants too, don't you? Yes, we do. How Uh, many? we 
we have a select a few. We toned it down a little bit after my father-in-law retired, but we still uh, have quite a bit of uh, wholesale business uh, throughout the community. All right. So, uh, you know, supplying fish uh, and then to homes and then doing it yourself with the fish fry. What's the secret to a good fish fry in the Lent season? I, I mean, is there like a, a special way to prepare it that might be different from what you think? How do you make it, uh, you know, taste good and be up to snuff? I think it all stems down from the, the product. We get fresh Icelandic haddock three days a week. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's sweet. Uh, it, it comes directly from Iceland. It's, it's fresh. Uh, once you start with an amazing product, uh, you're gonna, you, it's going to come out great. Uh, we also use top-of-the-line ingredients in terms of our oil, our French fries, our salads. Uh, you just can't spare any expense because there's so much competition in western New York with a fish fry. All right, so it starts with the fish. And is it always haddock for a fish fry? Uh, that's, that's the most popular fish, but we fry all different types of fish. Uh, like I said, shrimp and scallops. We get ocean perch in for Lent season. Uh, that's a popular item. Uh, it's a nice, sweet, mild white fish. Uh, that goes great. Uh, in a fish fry, uh, we we fry Icelandic cod. Uh, that's something that's special ordered uh, at the counter when you uh, when you come up to order. Uh, there's all different other types of fish we can fry. Catfish. Uh, the list goes on. Is there something that might surprise people? You mentioned all those fish. Is there like a, a type of fish you can fry up? on a Friday that's not, you know, your traditional haddock that people might not think of that, you know, takes them by surprise and you, you have people going, hey, this is this might be my new standard. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, a popular fish fry up in Canada in Nova Scotia is halibut. Uh, it's, it's, it's regularly available up there. It's reasonably priced in Canada, uh, but it's awesome fried. It's just uh, a little bit more expensive. Uh, that's something that you'd have to ask for and we'd fry halibut for you. It's awesome. Nick, how about prices? I mean, we've seen a lot of food prices going up, especially in the last year. What about fish? Is it staying stable, or has that gone up too? Our haddock has stayed pretty stable. Our scallops have actually come down in the recent weeks. Um, but the prices of all the other products that go into the fish fries, the takeout containers, the oil, uh, French fries, vegetables, those have increased, and we're trying to... Uh, keep our prices the same and not have that impact on our customers. Yeah, um, I, the fish is one thing, but the sides, things like that, uh, I, I'm guessing there's an increase there. Oh, for sure. I mean, vegetables have gone up. I, I mean, you see it in the grocery store, eggs, all that. Um, but uh, some of the some of the sides that we used to buy, we're, we're starting to make in-house to offset the cost. We're... we're we're being better shoppers on where we get our products. Uh, we're just trying extra hard to, to keep the prices the same. Do you run into any supply issues for any of this? In terms of fish, no, uh, surprisingly. Uh, supply issues with other types of products uh, aren't as important, but with fish, uh, we only deal in fresh fish. We don't like to serve frozen. We serve wild-caught fish. Uh, it's healthy, it's delicious, it's sweet, and... Uh, so far, we've been lucky, and uh, our fish supply hasn't been that hard to get. 
is it just a Western New York thing? Um, I, I know there's a, you know some other communities around the country that do the same thing, but I mean the Friday fish fry is that something that is Western New York centric? Um, what does it look like around the country? Do you know? Uh, I know a couple things. I know fish fries take the bronze medal here in, in Buffalo next to uh, chicken wings and beef on weck. But um, I know I had a customer that lived down south, and when he moved up here, he saw fish fry signs everywhere. And in, in, in some parts of the south, a fish fry is a party, so he thought Buffalo was a big party city. And then he realized <laughs> that just fish fries are uh, everywhere and everywhere. So I, I'm assuming that fish fries are are big in Buffalo, uh, more more so than other places in the country. Well, Nick, how do you personally like your fish? Uh, I I love fried scallops. That's my number one go-to. Our scallops are all natural, chemical-free, dry. Uh, they're sweet. They're they're beautiful. And um, pair that. We have a haddock and scallop fried haddock and scallop combo. Fried that with uh, pair that with our. Uh, Icelandic haddock, uh, some French fries, or homemade tartar sauce, and uh, it's a great Friday. All right, so there's uh, maybe a good tip for you. Hey, good luck today and throughout the rest of the season. Nick Pizikowitz, manager at Hayes Seafood House, talking about the first fish fry Friday of the year. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.